Yeah, so anyway, so uh, I was just watching TV last night, innocently, you know, with my wife, reading a book, and Brent calls me at 7 o'clock last night, and, you know, sometimes that happens. Brent calls me, and he asks me for some sort of favor to do the next morning, uh, but he's clearly, he sounds all stuffy, he does not sound well, and I said, no, Brent, you cannot be sick, but alas, he was sick. So we're going to take a break from Nehemiah this week. And we're going to be in Philippians this morning, as is obvious. And uh, so hopefully you'll bear with me. If you've heard this sermon before, forgive me. Uh, but, you know, uh, repetition is not always a bad thing. Uh, so let's go ahead and jump in. So we are in Philippians this morning. And uh, if you were here during our series last year, you'll know that the entire book of Philippians is about joy. Paul's whole rationale in writing the book of Philippians is to give us a joy that surpasses, that transcends the ups and downs of life, that is rooted really in the victory of Jesus Christ. Because Christ has overcome our sin and death in all circumstances, we can have a joy that is over every circumstance that we might ever go through. That's what Paul wants. He repeats this command that he said at the beginning of this passage in verse 4 of chapter 4, rejoice in the Lord always, he repeats it all throughout the book of Philippians. That's his rationale. And that should be our rationale. We should want a joy that surpasses all understanding. Uh, that, that is normal and that doesn't go up and down with the experience of, experiences of life. That should be our desire. And that's what Paul wants for us this morning. Now as we come to this passage... Paul <clears throat> wants for us to have joy, but he also warns us of something that will ruin our joy. There are many things that will ruin our joy, but without fail, there is one thing that will ruin our joy. And he says it in, in verse 6 with a negative command. He says this. He says, do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. Uh, what Paul wants to get into our minds this morning is that if there's anything that will ruin our happiness, if there's anything that will ruin our joy in Christ, the joy that we have through a relationship with Jesus Christ, it is what we call worry or anxiety uh, or even fear. Worrying always ruins our joy. And uh, the reason is pretty simple, because worrying and joy cannot coexist. They're mutually exclusive. Whenever you're worried about something... You're always fearful about the future, or about what might happen, or about what could happen. Right? Joy is in the moment. I'm happy. And it's not that I'm not anticipating the future, it's not that I'm not planning and so on, but I'm content. Worry is fearful anticipation of what could go wrong. And Paul doesn't want us to have worry, he wants us to have joy. And so he says, if there's anything that will ruin your joy, it's going to be anxiety. And I just want to give you just... Uh, a little illustration of this before we jump into our passage. You know, I remember this very clearly. When Andrew and I had our first child, Anya, she's uh, three and a half years old now, uh, we had been up for a, it, what it feels like two weeks, <laughs> you know, just trying to put her down to bed, and uh, her, her mother had come in after we had the baby to, uh, to help us to, bake, to make meals and so on. And after about half a month of just going insane with a new baby, I love our child, but it's just hard with a new baby. You know, their schedules are totally different. Uh, my mother-in-law says, you know what, you guys just go on a date. I'll take care of Anya. Don't worry. Everything's going to be great. You guys go and watch a movie, go get some dinner, and I'll, I'll take care of the baby. And so we rushed out the door immediately, <laughs> and we got into our car. 
And about half a mile down the road, we're all excited, but about half a mile down the road, guess what comes into our minds? What if she drops the baby? <laughs> what if she falls down the stairs with the baby? You know, what if she feeds her something she's allergic to? Right? All of these things that could go wrong or might go wrong start going on into our head. And I kid you not, you know, Andrea doesn't mind me saying this. She starts sobbing in the seat next to us. What's going to happen? And I'm like, I don't know, but uh, let's turn around because we're both going insane, you know. And so we turn around and then we both decide, you know what, we, this, is, this is so silly, you know. Uh, you know, her mom has raised a couple kids by now. You know, she probably knows how to hold a baby, not drop it. Right, but this is what worry does. Worry ruins our joy. And it almost ruined this date, this first date that we had had in, in, a, uh, in, in two weeks. It almost ruined it. This is the way that worry works. It gets in the way. It takes our focus from the good, and it focuses us on the negative. And, you know, if you're a chronic worrier like me, I mean, I am a chronic worrier. I, I am a calculator. I calculate this is going to go wrong at this point. With about everything. And, you know, without fail, about 50% of the time I'm wrong. Sometimes I'm right, though. But I'm a chronic worrier. I am always calculating what could go wrong, right? And that's just not a happy existence. Right? There is planning, and then there's fretting. There's anticipating and wisdom, and then there's freaking out, okay? And this is what Paul doesn't want for us. He wants us to have joy even in the hardest times of life. And so he warns us about this problem of anxiety, this problem of worry. And so what Paul's going to do in this passage is he's going to give us three key concepts that we have to understand if we want to get over anxiety and if we want to have joy in the Lord. Three key concepts. So what are those uh, three concepts? Well, the first one is this, the concept of Christ's coming. The concept of Christ's coming. The second one is the importance of prayer and the third one is the power of thinking. So Christ coming, the importance of prayer, and the power of thinking. If we can understand these three concepts, we'll be able to overcome worry, and we'll be able to enjoy our life in Jesus Christ. All right, so let's go ahead and jump into this passage here. Let's jump into our first point, which is uh, the concept of Christ's coming. The concept of Christ's coming. And I want to concentrate here uh, on verse 5. If you notice, right before this negative command not to be anxious, Paul says this uh, seemingly insignificant, pithy little statement. Uh, but if you pay attention, this little statement actually launches us into his exhortation not to be anxious. What is that little statement? Well, it's found in verse 5. He says, Let your reasonable be, uh, reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. Now, what does Paul mean by that? You know, if you don't pay attention, it, it can almost seem like a sort of a filler phrase. <laughs> like maybe Paul is just saying, i got to put something spiritual in here before I tell him about anxiety, you know. Jesus is at hand, you know. But actually, no, this, this is Paul's shorthand for the reality of the second coming. The reality of the second coming. And this was actually something very important for the early church, that Jesus Christ is at hand. Jesus Christ is at hand. And what that means is that, you know, Jesus has died on the cross to atone for our sins. He's risen from the dead in defeat of death. And at the very beginning of Acts, he's going up into heaven. And he tells the disciples, remember, I'm coming soon. In the same manner that I went up, I'm going to come down. That will be soon. 
And in fact, the New Testament tells us that it's imminent. What that means is that we don't know when it is, and it can happen at any point in time. Jesus' second coming could happen five minutes from now. It could happen a thousand years from now. We don't know when it is, but it is soon. That's what this phrase means. And when Paul connects it to this command, don't be anxious, he's telling something central about the second coming, that this thought that Jesus could come at any point should help us to overcome anxiety. Okay? Now that you hear that, you say, well, goodness, Lucas, the thought that Jesus could come at any point freaks me out, you know? <laughs> and for some, it, it, it should freak you out, right? If you're not a believer, if you have not come to Jesus for the forgiveness of sins and reconciliation, it will be a time of judgment. But for the believer, it is something that is comforting. In fact, if you read the book of 1 Thessalonians, it's all about the second coming. At the very end, Paul says in chapter 4, verse 8, Comfort one another with these words. The reality of the second coming for believers is something that is comforting. Now the question is, why? Why is it comforting? And the reason is this. Everything that Jesus accomplished in his death and resurrection, the defeat of death, right, the overcoming of Satan and sin and evil, everything that in principle he's overcome, He's going to uh, fulfill in his second coming. Every, th every evil is going to be done away with. Death is going to be done away with. All of your frustrations and worries and anxieties, all the things that keep you up at night, are going to be gone in the blink of an eye, is what Paul says. When Jesus comes back, he's going to accomplish and finalize and fulfill everything that he uh, completed in his death and resurrection. A renewed earth without death. Right? Revelation talks about how God is going to wipe away every one of our tears. Right? Now I just want you to think about that. Jesus could come back in five minutes. And everything that's keeping you up at night, all of your anxieties, uh, everything that you're fearful about, everything that you're working hard, you know, everything that could go wrong in the future and so on, Jesus is going to right all those wrongs. Okay? Now, how does that help you to overcome anxiety? Well, it means that I don't have to be totally preoccupied with fixing every single thing in my life. I don't have to be totally preoccupied with that thing that's coming in a month. I don't have to be totally preoccupied with the fact that, you know, my paycheck just isn't making the cut. I don't have to be totally preoccupied that I can't potty train my daughter, you know. Because at any moment, Jesus could come back and all of those worries are gone. And just to illustrate this to you, you know, there are days in the Hatt Hattenberger household, and this is just where I am. I'm, you know, knee-deep in toddlerville, you know. But at any given day, you know, when I'm at work, you know, I think my job is hard, but I get to sit at a desk, you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, type on a computer. You know, my job, compared to what Andrea has to deal with sometimes, is just not that hard. But sometimes, you know, she, she, you know, she loves being a mother, but sometimes she'll text me in the middle of the day and she says, you're two kids, you know. 
<laughs> They're being awful, you know. <laughs> Come home and fix it. And the only thing that'll help her get through, you know, those two hours, right? Okay, I'm coming home at 4, right? And say it's 2.30. She knows that it's coming soon. She knows that dad's going to come home and sit on you down and discipline her, right? Don't do that, you know? She knows that dad's going to come home and fix everything. Well, maybe not. He's going to try at least, you know? But what does that do? It helps her get through the rest of the day. It helps her bear the burdens that she's having to carry. The knowledge that Jesus Christ is coming at any point helps us to carry the burdens of everyday life. Without falling, without giving into this anxiety that is crippling, to know that Jesus will come back and right every single wrong in my life. And not because I deserve it, but because of pure grace. Because he loves us. Because he hates evil. Right? That helps us to get through the day. And that's Paul's starting point. The starting point of getting through anxiety is the reality of the second coming. Jesus is coming soon. The Lord is at hand. So don't be anxious because the Lord is at hand. Right? That's what Paul wants us to understand. So that's our, that's our first point, is the reality of Christ's coming. It's imminent. It could come at any, at any time, and it helps us to get through the day. Uh, the second point is this, uh, is the importance of prayer. For Paul, one of the, the greatest guards against worry is prayer. And uh, let's just read through verses 6 and 7 here. <coughs> Excuse me. Paul says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Uh, for Paul, uh, a huge weapon against uh, anxiety is prayer. And he actually brings in one specific type of prayer that will guard against anxiety. You know, there are all sorts of different prayers in the Bible. There's intercessory prayer. There's prayers of thanksgiving. Uh, even if you read the Psalms, there's prayers of vindication. If you read uh, David's prayers, sometimes he calls out for God to smash his enemies. <laughs> uh, and then there's also prayers of supplication. And this is what Paul says in verse 6. He says, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. And very simply, a prayer of supplication is just what Paul says. It's a request. Uh, it means to ask, to beg, uh, to bring your needs to someone and to ask for their help. And for Paul, a prayer of supplication is the greatest of all prayers when you're dealing with anxiety. When you're dealing with anxiety, Paul says, bring all of your burdens and your worries, all of the things that are weighing you down, and lay them at the feet of the Father. Paul says, when you do that, you'll have peace. Okay? And uh, we'll examine verse 7 in just a second. But I just, want you to, I just want to ask you this morning, how often, how often do you bring your burdens to God? Okay? And, and, uh, and, and not just, you know, God, uh, you know, thank you for this meal. Help us to get some rest tonight. Amen, you know. No, you're, the real things that weigh you down, the real things that keep you up at night, how often do you lay them 
at the feet of God and entrust those things to him. You know, I'll be honest, you know, uh, I don't actually do that all that often. And uh, it's actually out of pride. Because I don't want to burden God. Because I don't know if you know this, right now at this very second, God, at the same time that he's here with us, he's holding up Jupiter. Right? He's, he's keeping the earth spinning. He's making gravity uh, do its gravity thing. Right? God is doing all of those things, and at the same time he says, come to me and lay your needs at my feet. You know, when you really think about that, that's overwhelming. Uh, to think that a God who holds up the universe by the word of his power, as it says in Hebrews, would actually want to listen to you. You know, there are times in, you know, in my life where it's like to hear someone else's needs is just totally overwhelming because I have needs of my own. I have things that I have to deal with. And yet God says, I'm holding up the universe. Come to me with your hangnail. Come to me with your annoying coworker. Come to me with these pithy little needs that are so small to me, but are so big to you. And why? Why should we do that? <clears throat> because God is our Father. That's why. God is not just the King of Heaven. He's not just the Lord of all. Through the Gospel through sending his son into the very depths of our sin and raising us out of death, he's made us sons and daughters. And if you're a, a mother or a father, you know that, you know, in, in my own life, when, when my three-year-old comes to me and says, Daddy, I want to have a tea party with you. You know, if a stranger knocked on my door and said, hey, let's have a tea party, I'd be like, dude, no, <laughs> But my three-year-old daughter, I'll do that for her, right? I'll put on a frilly hat. I'll put up my, my pinky. I'll do anything for her. And why? It's not because this is a great activity for an adult to do. It's because she's my daughter. And it doesn't matter uh, how, how little of the things she brings to me that she wants. I want to do that for her because of who she is. She's my daughter. And she asks some pretty insane things of me sometimes. <laughs> Like a tea party. Or, you know, she's going through this phase where she wants to bring 40 toys from downstairs up to her bed when she goes to bed. And so what does dad do? He puts all the toys in his arms and he carries them up. Because I love her. Because she's my daughter. The reality of the gospel is that God makes us sons and daughters. He adopts us into his family through Jesus Christ. And nothing is too small to lay at the feet of God. And so Paul says, bring your needs to the Father because he cares for you. Because he's adopted you through Jesus Christ. And look what the promise that, that Paul gives. Look uh, at this promise that Paul gives. If we bring our supplications to God, in verse 7, Paul says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, and God will give you everything you want. Right? Any, res any responsible parent doesn't give their children everything they want. He does give them everything they need. Okay? But I just want you to think, you know, when, you know, when was the last time you, 
you know, you had coffee with a good friend or dinner or something, and something was bothering you, something was weighing you down. And, you, and, and I, just, I just need to talk to somebody, right? How do you feel after you sort of unload on that person? You feel like a weight has been lifted, right? Now, now think, if you did that to God every single day, think about the weight of the burden that would be lifted off your back. And again, Paul doesn't say, and God will give you everything you, you want. But he does say, God will give you a peace which transcends, which is above our understanding and presumably above the situation. Whatever is going on in our lives, God will lift the burden above the situation and help us to get through it. Because he's a father who loves us. And because he cares for us, he will lift that burden off of our backs. So I just want to challenge you. You know, when was the last time you actually laid your needs down to God? I encourage you to do that because you have been adopted through Jesus Christ. You are a son and a daughter of the king. That is your identity. So that's our second point. Paul talks about the importance of prayer. Finally, Paul is going to tell us about uh, the power of thinking. The power of thinking. And uh, let's just go ahead and read uh, through verse 8 here. Paul says this, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, uh, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Okay? Now what is Paul doing uh, here? He, he's telling us about the importance of the thought life. The importance of the thought life. And he says, in essence, if you want to overcome anxiety, one of the things that you have to take control of in your life is your, uh, or your thoughts, the things you think about. And uh, if you're a chronic overthinker like me, you know exactly what that means. Uh, if you're a worrier, um, you know, you can have a cough, and five minutes later, you are sure that you have some sort of terminal disease, right? But where's the battle with that? The battle is not in the body, right? You probably just have a cold. The battle is in the mind. And Paul says, if, uh, if you want to overcome worry, you have to take control of your thoughts. Because one of two things will happen in your life. Either you will take control of your thoughts, or your thoughts will take control of you. Either you will reign over your thought life, or your thought life will reign over you. And if you allow your thought life to reign over you, these little things in your life, right, that little remark that your coworker said to you will blow up into this person hates me and is trying to get me fired, you know? That's what happens within the mind if you don't take control of your thoughts. And so Paul says, listen, you have to grab control of your thoughts. And whatever is true and honorable and just and pure and excellent, you have to focus your mind on those things. In other words, Redirect your thoughts from something that is negative and will magnify the situation and redirect them to things that are worthy of being thought about. Otherwise, again, your mind will take control of you and magnify any given situation and will make it bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And before you know it, you're freaking out about something that is not even true, right? And I just want to, to give you an illustration here. <coughs> Excuse me. So when Andrew and I first moved here, we bought uh, this house. It's uh, just off, uh, off of Charles Street and West Side. 
It's this big, beautiful red, white, and blue house built in 1884, I believe. It's, it's great. It took a little love, but it's, it's really beautiful. Um, but it's old. And so what that means is that, you know, old houses, they have a certain charm to them. You know? uh, they, sque- they talk to you, you know. Uh, it'll squeak, you know, if you're walking on the wood, it'll, it'll uh, maybe bend a little bit. Um, but something, you know, the, the house will make noises, right? And uh, it'll make these squeaky noises or uh, whatever, whatever noises. And so I remember the, the, the first night when we slept in that house. And, uh, you know, at night, uh, you know, it's easy during the day to, to reason in your mind that, oh, the house is just making these squeaky noises. But at night, right, and so I, I wake up in the middle of the night and I hear these, <laughs> you know, and, you know, if I were to take control of my thoughts, I'd just be like, well, this house is very old and I guess it's just going to do that. But guess where my mind went? There's an intruder in the house that is looking to kill me and my family, you know. <laughs> that's exactly, if you don't take control of your mind, that's what will happen. And actually, the worst, you know, the worst nightmare that could happen to my mind happened uh, just two weeks later, where uh, in the middle of the night, the house is making noises, but Andrea wakes me up, and she says, something just made a crashing noise. I'm like, okay. It's like, you need to go check it out. I'm like, oh, all right. And so my mind immediately, before I even sit up, is going to all these different, you know, I'm like, this guy's just, I, I'll give him some time. He's probably going through my things, getting my computer. I'll let him I'll let him explore the house before I go confront him. So I sit up, I sit up in the bed, and I'm sitting there, and I'm not kidding you. I'm having, to, I'm having to get control of my mind, but it's taking, like, a minute, right? So I'm sitting there frozen, and, like, literally for, like, a minute, I'm like, you know, and finally my wife is like, do you just want me to go do it, you know? <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 I'll, go, I'll do it. So finally I get, I get the, you know, the gall to, to walk out the door, and lo and behold, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a picture frame that fell off the wall into the ground, right? Something so small, and yet what did my mind do? It blew it up, it amplified it, it magnified it. This is what our minds do. And this is what creates such unreasonable anxiety in our lives. Things that we know. You know, even if we're just going to communicate that to a friend, right? I think this and this and this. Wow, that is very logical, you know? But in our minds, right, in our minds, it seems so logical at the time. And Paul says, listen, you need to grab hold of your thoughts. You need to take control of your thoughts or they're going to take control of you. Uh, 2 Corinthians 10.5, Paul says that we have to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. In a lot of ways, the battle of obedience, the battle of joy... Is fought first in the mind and in what we think. Uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones, uh, Brent, I think, quoted this in our Nehemiah series a couple weeks ago. He says that most of our unhappiness in life is due to the fact that we're listening to ourselves instead of talking to ourselves. Right, that's, that's the concept here. Is that we need to stop listening to what our mind tells us and is magnifying the issue and start refocusing our minds, as Paul says, on whatever is true and honorable and just and pure and so on. We have to take control of our thought lives or our thought life will take control of us. And, um, you know, this is why we memorize Scripture. 
This is why we read the Bible, because you know, as a Christian, we shouldn't be emptying our minds, we should be filling it with true things, with honorable things, which, with things that are good and excellent, so that we can overcome the negativity and the amplification of circumstances in our mind. And so that's uh, Paul's last piece of advice. How do we overcome anxiety? We have to control our thinking. We have to understand the importance, the power of thinking. And so those are the three points that Paul brings us. Uh, the reality of Christ's coming, the importance of prayer, and the power of thinking. And if we are able to master those three concepts, that Jesus is coming soon, uh, laying our burdens down at God's feet, and mastering our mind, we'll be able to take joy in Christ. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you uh, for Jesus, for the reality that Jesus can give us joy. And that he has overcome our fallen situation through ri rising from the dead. He's overcome our sin and our death. And we can have a joy that overcomes as well. And help us, Father, to apply this text this week. To come to you in prayer. To bank on the reality of Christ's coming. To take control of our thoughts. And give us a joy uh, that is by the Spirit and through Christ. And pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.